Last week we, we wrapped up chapter 1. I'm going to speak quickly because uh, somebody preached a little bit earlier. And so I want to, to get as many words as I can in before you go home and watch football. Uh, what we preached last week about being stretched, about um, that when, when Peter begins, verse 22, he says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, submitting ourselves to the gospel or the good news, for a sincere brotherly love, we're going to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So there's this idea of being stretched with a genuine love so that as we're being stretched, as we're being extended, uh, and we're being, uh, you know, leading us into submission or obedience to God's word, then even within the church, there would be a sincerity, a genuineness of our love for one another. And then that would extend to our love for the nations. Psalm 67 talks about this, about this love for the nations, that every nation would declare who Christ is, that every nation would be worshiping Christ on this side of eternity already. They wouldn't be put into place, like Philippians 2 says, that they would be submitted or, or sent to hell and worshiping Christ from there, acknowledging his lordship there, but instead they'd be worshiping or acknowledging the lordship of Christ currently, like right now. And so we're, we're wanting to be extended in our loving of one another as the church, but also extended in our love for for um, for the world. And I mentioned a story about, about ripping a hamstring, you know, about the co- competitiveness of my own nature, uh, you know, the stretching of my own, uh, you know, physical body so that I'm stretched to a point that I can actually uh, run a race with endurance and constantly beat my kids. And I was put to the test this week just to see sin rise. I went to a conference in Kansas City and uh, a Baptist conference, a godly conference where I was learning many things about the, the hope that we have in Christ. And at the end of the conference, uh, we, we went and spent some time of recreation watching a Major League Baseball team, uh, Kansas City Royals. And uh, I don't know if you know anything about baseball, but the Kansas City Royals and the Texas Rangers have a very similar record this year, which means that they are done. And um, just like the Texas Rangers Stadium, they are done and so destroyed. And so anyways, there weren't very many people at this baseball game. When the baseball game was over, we're exiting from the uh, from the baseball stadium onto the parking lot, and imagine just an empty parking lot. Uh, you could see our little rental car miles. It felt as if miles away. Uh, they had they had roped off or coned off the majority of the uh, the front row parking, leaving that for royalty, I guess. And um, that was a joke. Come on, Kansas City Royals, royalty. And so as we're walking out, there's a family in front of us, and the oldest uh, kid, son, he yelled at his siblings, who wants to race me to the truck? And in that moment, in that moment, the Lord had already began working on me about sin, particularly pride, rising up, and to keep my mouth closed. But when his siblings weren't volunteering to race him, I felt as if a need was needing to be met that I should race him. And so we got permission from his mom to race. And I want to tell you right here in front of you confessing my pride and my sin that I beat him. <laughs> and when, we, when I crossed the finish line and he slowly crossed also as a teenager, his first words were, you're pretty fast for an old man. <laughs> and I think about running the race with endurance and walking in holiness and hope And I think that we grow old and tired, and we use that as an excuse. And uh, Peter begins chapter 2 talking about infants, about babies, about this newness of life. Peter is writing to some folks in this church have probably been, been following Jesus for almost 30 years. So in a sense, their relationship with Christ was old. 
And yet he was reminding them about new things, about things that they had learned as, or they should be learning as an infant, and to continue to long for those things. And then in a longing for those things, the hope is that as you're being stretched, that you're being weaned off of sin through the power of Christ and his word so that we continue to run this race with endurance and at the end receive the prize. And the prize not being pride in yourself. The prize not being being out of breath. The prize not being, man, why didn't I stretch? The prize not even being, being made fun of. But instead the prize being Jesus with our hope set on him and him alone. So I would say this. If you are, in any sense, in your relationship with Christ today, if you are bored, it is time to pray to the Lord, help me not to be bored. Cleanse me of my boredness. Cleanse me of my stubborn ways. Let me not just to look for something new in you, but instead let me see that simply the newest thing that I need from you is your mercy that you promised was new this morning. And let me rest in that and that alone. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 say this, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Some of you know, because many of you are older than myself, uh, when I say things to you and, and you, you begin to question my wisdom, you begin to question, you say, he only has a little bit of grade. Does he really even know anything? You begin to question my experience. I, I would say the same thing here. When Peter is talking to some of these, some of these believers, uh, he's, he's saying things, when he says this long like newborn infants, some of them are thinking, I'm old. I've been doing this for a while. And you're telling me to go back to and be an infant? And that when I go back and become an infant again, then I will grow up? Peter's really challenging them. And he's challenging them with some sin. He says, I'm, I'm recognizing that in some of you, you're not ha- having, in verse 22 and verse 23, the sincere brotherly love for one another. It's the reason why I read 1 Corinthians 11, this church being saved by Jesus in Corinth, yet allowing divisions and factions to come between them. And, and, and Paul urging them, hey church, church in Corinth, examine yourselves. Be stretched so much. Be weaned off of sin. Let the sin be removed. Examine yourself. Remove the sin so that in purity and holiness you can love one another. And in so doing, as you're loving one another... Then you can go and love love the world. So Peter begins this verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, so. So why is this so there? He's, he's calling our attention to, reminding us about the things he wrote in the former chapter. Reminding us to, uh, to look at genuine love for one another. Peter can recall even in his own memory, at his age as he's writing this, a time sitting on the beach with Jesus after the resurrection cooking fish and having breakfast with the Lord. And the Lord talking to him about genuine love. Peter, do you genuinely love me? Do you love me with sincerity, with a brotherly love? Yes, and an agape kind of love, an unconditional love. Asking those two things to Peter. He remembers this. He's recalling this to memory. And he's thinking, I'm, I'm just assuming here, but the thought has to be towards if Christ thinks this is so important that after his resurrection, before his ascension, these are the important things that he's telling me. Then brotherly, sincere, genuine love is extremely important. And those who follow Jesus and want to be obedient to Jesus, they should do all they can in their weakness to be weaned from sin. And the good thing about this, 
and, and I, I have a degree in counseling, so I want to give you 12 steps to tell you how to wean yourself from sin. But I think the point that Peter is making is that in your weakness, even in your weakness, even in your strength, there are no 12 steps that can help you. Instead, there's hundreds of thousands of steps on the journey of faith as you're resting and walking in the hope and the holiness that only comes from, from Christ. He's saying, understand, understand what Christ has done, what he is doing and what he's going to do. So Peter commands Christians to put away, to give up, to get rid of these harmful, sinful actions. And I wonder today if you were to examine yourself, truly examine yourself. Not just funny stories like I just shared to you about the pride that rises up in me as someone, as someone uh, says, let's race. But, the, but, but truly examining ourselves. Is there sin in us that has risen up? Instead of the risen Savior rising up in you, is there sin that's rising up in you that we need to confess, ask for forgiveness, and turn away from it? And Peter mentions these, these sins. He says, think about the sin of, being, of practicing maliciousness or being malice, of deceit, of hypocrisy, of envy, of slander. What are these things? What are these specific sins? What is malice? It's an evilness, a wickedness, a desire for ill will. Think about your own actions. I think I've wrestled with this. In fact, I thought about skipping over it and getting to the living stones portion because it's easier to preach for some reason. But even my own actions towards some of you, towards fellow believers, fellow saints, an acting of ill will, an acting of wickedness, an acting of evil. And then my, my actions towards outsiders. I mean, the, the whole sum of First Peter is as we're living as exiles in this foreign land and our, our uh, task to, to proclaim the excellencies of God, how are we treating even outsiders? Are we treating them with malice in our heart? What about deceit? Deceit just, mean, deceit just means a craftiness, a, a deceit, a guileness that we would work with or act out of our emotives would be trickery. Like I'm going to play with your motives so much or play with your emotions so much this morning and bring tears to your eyes that when I tell you to bow your head and close your eyes, I may get some, some type of response because I desperately need you to respond to help me feel better about myself, about how well I've studied, about how well I preach, about how well I tell jokes. I'm waiting for your laughs and your amens. So I'm going to manipulate trickery. Do we do that? Are we reacting from or, or walking in a genuineness, a purity. How do we get there? How do we get to that pure life, that holy life? Can I just put in steps, preaching steps, and say I'm going to study well, I'm going to pray enough, I'm just going to trust Jesus. I'm going to put my hand to the plow, and after I plow, I'm not going to look back. What do we do? What about hypocrisy? An acting, a falseness, a two-facedness. You act one way on Sunday morning, and then Sunday afternoon, you act a different way towards fellow believers, towards outsiders. I've told the story before, but I think the most hurt I've ever been by one of my children was at a VBS uh, when the, the preschoolers are lined up on the row, and I'm sing, singing funny songs and being hilarious, by the way. And, uh, and one of the kids says to one of my children, Hey, is that your dad? No, that is not my dad. <laughs> And just by the way, it is one of my biological kids. No, that is not my dad. Hey, you, you were my dad. I was your dad last night when you were asking for snacks or food, and I gave them to you. But now, as you're embarrassed, you're saying, I'm not, I'm not your dad. How often are we that way? Not to toy with your emotions, but with Jesus, how often are we that way? 
Like we're fearful. Somebody begins to press into us. Tell us more about the hope that you have in Jesus. Tell us more about why you trust in his word. Why do you trust in the historical event? Is it truly accurate? Did he truly die for all of mankind? Did he really rise from the dead? And as those questions begin to be asked, how often do we shy away from answering those? Out of our own fear of what people may think towards us. Hypocrisy towards or acting or falseness, two-facedness towards even outsiders. What about envy? Envy is the opposite of thankfulness for good which comes to others. It's extremely hard. You know this. This is why we have to have Christ transforming us. Because it is not in our nature just to celebrate somebody else's wins. There are certain teams that if they win the World Series, I will not celebrate them out of envy. There are certain high school teams that I will not celebrate if they win out of envy. There are certain people, and I'm confessing this to you this morning, there are certain people that I will remain silent as long as I can because I do not want to celebrate, particularly even like the prodigal son's brother, the work that the Lord is doing in them. Because my own jealousy, my own envy. Envy, again, is the opposite of thankfulness for good which comes to others. Envious, envious, envious sorry, of, your, of your blessings, what I think are areas the Lord has blessed you with. So what, is it, what does envy do? What does that lead to? Envy just causes me and you to act in even more sinful ways. Like slander. That's another sin he mentions. Slander. Any speech which harms or is intended to harm another person's status or reputation. It doesn't matter how close or distant you are from them. Peter's not bringing up some kind of... Uh, he doesn't bring a boundary to this. He's not saying you can be slanderous. In fact, he moves on and talks about our submission to authority. You can be slanderous of a politician that you'll never meet, but don't be slanderous towards your wife or your husband. You can be slanderous towards someone else's pastor, but don't be slanderous towards your own. You can be slanderous towards someone else's boss and join with them, but don't be slanderous towards your own. No, there's not. That's not how it works. In obedience to Christ and Christ alone, we're saying wean us off of sin and create in us a longing for pure spiritual milk. All of these sins aim at harming other people. Whereas the love, the genuine brotherly love that Peter is talking about in the, at the end of chapter 1, this is love that seeks the good of others. And I wonder how often this defines us. How often does this define the church? Is the church defined, defined as a group of people who are meeting together to worship Christ, love God, love other people or are we known as a group of people who want to worship Christ think that we follow his word but the rest of the week we aim at harming harming others there are in this case there are believers who are still practicing these things and this is why Peter is writing to them they're still practicing these sinful characteristics or they're still wearing them they're showing signs of immaturity and so because of that, Peter begins to write to them, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Stop being immature. Christ has clothed you with righteousness, so take off the sin. No longer be clothed in sin. These are signs that point to a life that's still being ruled by sin. 
If any one of these that have been listed this morning, if you feel in your heart right now, if you, if you think or you sense, hey, I've, or you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have done these things, repent of that. Confess those. Say, I don't want to be ruled by that any, any longer. I want to put those things off. I want to recognize that my only hope is in Jesus, and I want to walk in that hope. I want to walk in holiness. In a sense, when we continue to walk in sin or continue to clothe ourselves in sin, we are putting our hope in ourselves. And eventually, we think we will be able to take care of sin. I'm going to keep putting my hope in myself. I'm going to keep wearing this sin. Eventually, I'll wean myself off. Eventually, I'll start weaning myself in a way that I won't be envious anymore. I won't slander. Maybe I'll eventually stop doing these sins. This is where the 22 steps come in, the 12 steps. They're unbiblical. We think to ourselves, you know what? I'll only slander just to wean myself off just for a moment, so I eventually stop doing this. I'll only slander on Mondays, because who likes Mondays anyway? I'll only slander those who are truly wrong. I'll only envy God's saints. Surely that'll, that'll work, and at some point, at some point, I'll wean myself off of sin. See, that's not the remedy, nor is it the weapon that we should be using to fight against sin. And thankfully, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Peter does not stop writing or stop preaching. The remedy for envy, the remedy for slander, the remedy for hypocrisy or all sin comes from knowing, Peter says, and tasting the goodness and kindness of the Lord. It comes from the good news. It comes from the gospel. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You want to run the race with endurance? If you don't have the gospel, you don't have feet to run the race with endurance. And the good news of the gospel is if you're truly resting in Christ, you don't even need your feet because the promise of Scripture says He will give you wings. You read that last week if you're disagreeing with me. So we must abide in Christ. Babies are simple. Right, moms? Babies are extremely simple. All they need is food and sleep and comfort and changing. All you need, all you need as people who are wanting to be obedient to Christ is food and sleep and comfort and changing. You know when a baby is longing for something. They tell you very nicely, with nice, calm words. They tell you, hey, I'm in need of something. You hear in a baby's cry, they're longing for something. And in the same way, you can, this morning, recognize your own longings. When you practice envy and deceit and hypocrisy and slander and maliciousness and other sins, Recognize your inner longings. Hear those cries and ask Christ to change those longings for Christ and His Word. When a 14-year-old boy at a Kansas City Royals baseball game says, Who wants to race me? Deep down inside of me, I want to put him to shame. I want to prove to him, Son, you're no one. I want to show him deep down there are people who can beat you. Does that sound like Christ at all? Or does that sound like sin ruling in my heart? Most of you are laughing at me this morning because you think, how immature. How immature of you. Deep down, that's the longing that's in me. And I cannot wean myself off of that. 
Why? Because most of the time my appetite is fueled by those things instead of Psalm, 4, Psalm 34. Tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and letting Him fuel my appetite. I want to end this morning just reading from Psalm 34. Peter quotes this. He writes this. And I think, just, just as a side note here, most of our critiques, or our concerns, or complaints, most of our crying is not rooted in, Lord, give me your word. But most of our complaints and our crying and our, our concerns and our critiques are rooted in, feed me my wants. Those, clothe, those of us clothed in righteousness who are desiring to be, be growing up in salvation and maturing in Christ should have a longing for Christ. Feed me your word instead of my wants. The pure spiritual milk is the gospel. It's the good news for salvation in our daily, in our daily growth. One author says, the, the word of the Lord constantly presents the Lord of the word. And so daily we are allowing Christ's words to shape us, to convict us, to cut to our heart, that we might be changed into His likeness, weaned off of sin, so to speak, longing for spiritual growth to take place. Last thing before I read Psalm 34. The scribes and the Pharisees, the religious rock stars of Matthew 23, professed to cling to the Scriptures yet refused the Lord. There has to be a marriage of both. Jesus is Lord, and His Word will define who I am. I'm not just going to study His Word and yet not let Him be Lord of my life. We can profess obedience to the Lord while rejecting His Word. We must examine ourselves daily. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Let my longings today be for you and your word. Let my faith increase in you and you and your word. Let my actions be in obedience to you and your word. David writes this in Psalm 34. I bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look on him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the, the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. May the, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Lord Jesus, help us this morning.
to treasure your word, to have a high view of it, to let it shape us and mold us, transform us. Let us be obedient to it as we confess Christ as Lord. Yeah, let us see the combination together. Lord and his word. Submission to it. God, work in us this morning to create a clean heart in us that we may be maturing in Christ. God, for those in the room like myself who are desperately wicked in so many ways, God, continue to convict me. Though I cry to you and I ask you often to stop, Lord, continue to show me my sinful ways. God, help me and the others in this room who desire to grow in you. Help us not to depend upon ourselves for cleaning. Help us not to depend upon ourselves for sustaining. But instead, let us rest in the good news of Jesus, that he can cleanse us from our sins and sustain our life forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.